Hello and welcome to episode number 124 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi. And with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And with the combine in the rearview mirror, we're back with another prospect interview. This time, we'll chat with Florida international quarterback James Morgan, who we've discussed plenty on this show, and a guy who's really climbing draft boards since the combine. Yeah, and James is a guy that uh, had a terrific senior season of Florida International had a great week of shrine practices, did well at the combine. We'll be talking about all that, as well as that uh, great game against Miami of Florida, which really was a, a statement game for that Florida International program. Absolutely. And speaking of the combine, Tony, we mentioned on our last episode that more changes could be coming down the pipeline to the event after this year's changes. Obviously, weren't well received. We'll see if anything happens in the future, how those are more received around the league. But have you heard any updates on this? Actually, I did. I just heard a recent update. And just to refresh people, what I had said after the combine, what I thought was going to happen was the combine, the backbone of the combine would remain in Indianapolis where they would have most of the media stuff. They'd have the players come in for medicals. They'd have the players come in and do the interviews, the psychological tests, the wonderlicks. And then they would have the workouts at different areas around the country. What I'm told right now is being proposed is they may move the entire uh, combine. Los Angeles is a place that's talked about a lot, but I'm hearing Dallas is getting a lot of play. Jerry Jones would love to move into Jerry's world in Dallas. I'm, I'm told that the facilities are set up really well for a combine-type setting, although there's no hotels right around or in the immediate vicinity, which is a concern. I was also told by someone in a league that the word is the league has to give Indianapolis a year and a half notice that they're going to move the combine out of Indianapolis. So if we don't hear anything uh, from the league about moving the combine by September of this year or August of this year, I would assume that the combine, not only for 2021, but 2022 is going to remain in Indianapolis. So a lot of things flying out there, very likely it's going to move, whether it moves in its entirety or in pieces remains to be seen. Everyone talks about Los Angeles, but I hear Dallas is also in play for a potential landing spot for the combine. Now we'll get to our interview with James Morgan in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. With home security, there are two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET's Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home and safety. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard the inside. You can set up the system all by yourself, and it only takes 30 minutes. You'll also have an army of highly trained security experts ready to. Dis- <clears throat> You'll also have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police in a moment's notice, 24/7. 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplysafe.com/team today. And you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com team. That's simply, S-I-M-P-L-I safe, S-A-F-E dot com slash team. Now, as promised, we're joined by James Morgan out of Florida International, player who's garnering a lot of attention as the draft creeps closer. James, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and it's great to have you on. Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thanks for coming, James. Obviously, we'll talk about your uh, eventually arriving at Florida International. We'll talk about your senior season, the uh, Shrine game and the Combine, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun tonight. So thanks for joining us. Sounds great. 
All right, James. So we'll kind of start from the beginning here. You played high school football, also played a little basketball in northern Wisconsin, not far from Green Bay. Did you grow up as a Packers fan? Yeah, so uh, I lived in Green Bay. Uh, I went to Ashrobidon, which is about 15 minutes away, but uh, Lambeau Field, you know, is about probably like a minute drive from there. So um, I definitely did. Uh, you know, I always say Brett Favre was the one who really um, caused me to fall in love with football in the quarterback position. Now, coming out of high school, you were offered uh, scholarships from mostly Mac schools, although you did get an offer from North Dakota State, a uh, big-time Division One AA school as well as Southern Illinois. What led you to choose Bowling Green? So the biggest reason was uh, coaching and style of offense. Just looking at Dino Babers and the success that he had had, obviously with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he was at Baylor with RG3. Um, it just really felt like, you know, very confident in my arm and wanted to be able to make some big plays uh, with that system. And, um, you know, they're a great coaching staff and really, you know, got along really well with Coach Babers and Coach Lewis, John Lewis, who's head coach at Kent State now. So um, those really draw me, drew me to that program coming out of high school. Now, you mentioned Coach Babers. Obviously, he's the one that recruited you to Bowling Green, but he ended up leaving at the end of 2015 before your redshirt freshman season, and you went from the spread offense to an air raid under Coach Jinx, who you also mentioned. Can you kind of, for the people who may not understand the nuances, some of our listeners out there, can you explain the difference between those two offenses? Because I feel like a lot of people think they are very close to the same thing. Yeah, sure. I think there was, uh, you know, there was nuanced differences for sure. Um, probably uh, some of the, the bigger things where the Baylor system was, you know, both were predicated on speed and spreading the ball around. Um, the Baylor system was, uh, I would say, a little faster than what we did with uh, Coach Jinx. Um, and, you know, it would be the coaches would signal something in, and we had uh, designated tempos. You know, we wanted to snap every ball within a certain time period. And we had a coach who actually kept track of that for every game and, you know, monitored our improvements or, in, uh, you know, how we did that and stuff like that. Um, coaches called it. It was full field concepts. We did it quickly, uh, aimed to spread the ball across the field. And then with, you know, the air raid, it was more of, um, the quarterback would signal concepts to each side based on the play that was called, um, a little bit more flexibility with, uh, like audibles and stuff like that. The quarterback wanted to change, uh, you know, a concept on one side to get it flexibility to do so if it was warranted. Uh, both offenses took the, uh, protection out of it, responsibility for the quarterback with, uh, coach Babers. It was all in the running back with coach Jinx. Um, I believe the line just handled it, uh, you know, but it was never something that was factored in with the QB, um, you know, and, and there, I'd say there was, uh, you know, there were similarities between both of them, but they ran different ways. You can tell they were different styles, um, you know, both effective. Obviously, when you look at Texas Tech and Baylor and, you know, Syracuse, they both have their merits, uh, but uh, interesting seeing, a, a, you know, kind of a spread out up-tempo system that has two different philosophies to it for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, you come in with one system and then by the time you get on the field, you have another system. How difficult was it to adjust to that new offense, especially once you took over under center as the starter? You know, um, I think kind of throughout my career, being able to have experience with different offenses has helped me, you know, adjust to new ones. I think that having the perspective of how you look at plays and reads and defenses from Coach Babers to Coach Jinx's staff and to the FIU staff, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a holistic approach where you develop different perspectives and see things that are similar between the two of them. So um, that was definitely a, you know, a good um, helping experience for me to be able to, you know, see some of the stuff with Coach Babers. And maybe this terminology was like this and this offense, but it's something different, you know, with the new system and uh, stuff like that. So that kind of helped that transition. And then especially going to FIU as well, um, having that background definitely helped. Now, talking about going to FIU, 
you were in and out of the lineup as a sophomore. Was there one reason why you decided to uh, transfer from Bowling Green to Florida International? Were there a couple of reasons, or what was the overriding decision? You know, it just uh, ended up not being a you know a great fit for me. And you know, we always talked about the the transition between coaches. And you know, I have absolutely no hard feelings towards uh, Coach Jinks and staff, but I just felt like uh, for me, it was a deal where I wanted to grow and develop as a player, and I felt uh, I needed to go somewhere else to do that. And I was very fortunate going to FIU, and you know, we we already talked about differences between the, you know the different air raid systems or the air raid and the spread with uh, the two offenses. But then going to more of a pro style system, you know, with with spread principles um, at FIU, that was you know, another huge step in my development. And, um, you know, I felt like that's the step that I want to take. Now, as somebody who has played in three different offenses and really the span of two to three years during that point of your career, which would you say is your favorite to play in? Definitely uh, the FIU one, uh, more the pro style. And um, I think, uh, you know, for me, I'm very detail oriented. I like to, you know, I like to prepare. I like to know things. And, um, you know, I mentioned how, you know, the spread offenses kind of take the protection off the quarterback, but, um, and and their, their thought process in doing so is it's going to be easier for the quarterback to process when he just has to think about the routes and the patterns. For me, uh, it was almost the opposite. Like, I felt much more comfortable when I had the protection details because, you know, um, protection, blitzes, hots, um, having that information kind of – it all kind of correlates together. So I know if they're, you know, blitzing a certain way, it's probably a rotation, and therefore this should be open with this pattern. Um, or I know if I have one hot guy, I can replace him with this route. Whereas at, you know, at BG, I had a limited um, kind of, um, you know, knowledge of that. So I, I definitely preferred um, the FIU offense. I think, you know, as, as I mentioned before, there's, there's merits to both. I think that they're, they're all good offenses. You obviously see the numbers that they produce every year. Um, but for me, that would be definitely my preference. Now, speaking of numbers, you set a bunch of school records that first season at FIU. What was really the biggest reason for you kind of breaking out that year in your first year with the Panthers? So uh, one of it, would, part of it would be definitely the offensive stuff that I just mentioned, you know, kind of identifying with that offense. And um, I gelled really well with Coach Skrosky, who was, you know, an extremely hard worker, um, kind of felt like I identified with that a lot. Uh, but I'd really have to say the biggest um, attribute to it was just uh, the team, man, uh, and the work that we put in in the summer. And, you know, getting there for me, it was all about trying to earn respect um, before I could, you know, command leadership. I think that, um, you know, working really hard and, having guys know that you, you have their best interest and you can do everything you can do is really important to um, command leadership. And before you do that, you're, I don't think that it's fair to be able to do that. So um, just kind of work coming in and work with some great guys and really tight-knit team um, really contributed to a lot of that success in 2018 for sure. Now, Florida International had the biggest win in program history when you guys defeated the Miami Hurricanes in late November by a score of 30-24 to 24, uh, under your leadership. A couple of questions about the game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's truly a rivalry game because isn't Florida International literally right down the road from Coral Gables? Yeah, it's probably um, 15 minutes or so away. You know, I said I'm not great with geography, but it definitely, you know, it definitely is. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people on our team grew up wanting to be um, recruited to the U. And obviously, you know, that didn't happen. And that was some added motivation for them in, in that game. And I think that, uh, you know, it was, it was just really cool to be associated with the energy of that night. And that kind of, um, you know, I think we really believed that we could do that. And it was, it was fantastic to see it happen. And, you know, it meant a lot to the, the school and the university. What was the week like leading up to that game? Were there any special preparations compared to uh, other weeks during the 2019 season? So, uh, fortunately for us, there was a bye week. Um, I think Miami had one as well. 
um, that was leading up to that game. So, you know, we were able to put in a couple, um, you know, new plays and stuff like that, trying to address, you know, obviously they had extremely talented defense. Um, so able to do some stuff like that. Um, and then I would also say that, you know, just, just kind of at that point in the season, uh, I'm very proud of our guys because, you know, it was the high expectations leading in. We didn't really accomplish what we wanted to. And at that point we were, you know, kind of like officially eliminated from Conference USA championship contention. So we knew we weren't going to go. And it was the thing where the leaders kind of sat down and said, you know, there's, there's really two ways this is going to go here. We're going to end up, you know, either fighting or kind of laying down. And um, I think the entire team responded, you know, that bye week. It could have been very easy just to, you know, kind of – it's a bye week, right? It's a break. Take it easy. But um, our entire team really brought the energy, brought the juice that week, and um, that accumulated in a, in a win against Miami, which was, which was fantastic. So very proud of our guys for responding like that. Now that game was played in Marlins Park. Had you ever played in a stadium that big in your career up to that point? Yeah. So, uh, first of all, that atmosphere was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed that. It was a great venue to be able to play at. And our fans really showed up. Um, you know, it was pretty deafening booze at the start of the game, which was interesting for a home game. There's a lot of Hurricane fans were there. But by the end, you know, the FIU fans really came out in full force. And uh, even after the game and social media and, like, banging pots and pans, when we got back to campus, it was a fantastic experience. Um, I had played uh, – so. Uh, Bowling Green, like the first game I ever got in for college was at Ohio State in like the fourth quarter. We were down by a bunch. Um, and that was that was a packed house. Though. It was opening day uh, at the Horseshoe. That was fantastic. Um, I also played at Michigan State uh, with Bowling Green. That was a really good experience, too. And um, we've, you know, throughout my, my career, I know that redshirt freshman year, we played at Maryland and Purdue as well. So I've been fortunate. I've got to see some some pretty cool venues and um, you know, I'd say that was, that was definitely my favorite, though, Marlins Park. That was a fantastic atmosphere and obviously a great day for our program. Now, looking closer at the game, you guys built up an early lead and kind of had to hang on a little bit towards the end of the game. Was there any part of you or anybody else, any of your teammates that, you know, were clock watching and saying to yourselves, you know, we're, we're going to do this, just have to wait out a couple more minutes, this is happening? So I think there's, you know, an element of clock management with the style that we played at. We did a lot of, like, check tempos and um, tried to wind down, you know, the play clock and take as much time off the clock. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if it was really a mentality where, oh, we just got to hold on and we can do this. I think it was, you know, we really firmly believed and um, we had believed coming into the, the game, you know, the whole week in practice, like we mentioned. Uh, and then as the course of the game unwound, it was like a kind of a, a feeling that you could just feel it on the sidelines where it's like, we're going to do this, we're going to pull it off. And, um, so I, I don't think, you know, I, I think there was, there was clock management for strategy wise, but it wasn't just a thing like, Oh, let's just, you know, finish this out guys. It was, it was, you know, we can do this and uh, let's go play. And, um, you know, you look at the late touchdown by Anthony Jones, uh, the first down that, you know, I believe he got and like Tony Gator's effort and all that stuff. You can really see that in the players that it wasn't something where it's like, Oh, let's just hold on to this. It was, you know, we're confident in what we can do. Let's go execute. So, um, again, just so proud of those guys. Yeah. It was a great game to watch. Cause I remember, uh, tuning into that game now as you mentioned earlier Miami has a pretty talented defense they've got several solid players especially in that defensive back seven who will be playing in the NFL with you next year who would you say yeah. was the toughest guy on that Miami defense or was there one guy when you stepped on the line of scrimmage you said I gotta make sure I know where this guy's lined up so they had studs all over um I mean you talked about their secondary um you know they had some fantastic athletes back there and that was uh especially for me being conscientious of that um, D line wise, uh, they had a great D line. You know, I worked out with uh, Trey at uh, in Tampa, and he was fantastic. Uh, number fifteen, the, the big kid as well. He was he was pretty good. Um, I'd say uh, honestly though, I'd say that the the people I you know really watched on film stood out to me were 
uh, the middle linebackers, um, you know, Pickney and Quarterman, and um, got a chance to meet with them a little bit at the East-West Shrine game. They're on my team, and um, just really fantastic players, very, uh, very sound with where they needed to be, you know, gap control-wise, and um, downhill players too, you know, and it made it difficult. So we had a lot of things in to um, protection-wise to be able to uh, account for the D-line and those linebackers I mentioned, and um, yeah, overall, just a, just a great defense, very athletic for sure. They gave us a great segue there to kind of move into the East-West Shrine Bowl. You received the invite to the game in January. What were you looking forward to most about going to St. Pete and performing on that all-star stage? For me, it was a great opportunity to showcase, you know, an NFL skill set against an elite competition. You look at a guy who comes from a um, not, not a Power 5 school, and this is a great opportunity for me to be able to um, kind of alleviate those concerns from scouts maybe saying that I don't play against great competition. We had some fantastic athletes there. It was a great experience, but uh, my number one goal is just to go out and compete and, um, you know, show what I can do, do, control what I can control. Well, you hands down had a great week at the Shrine practices. I was there all three days. You were definitely the best quarterback at Shrine, at Shrine practices. I wrote about you all week. You were the most accurate, and, and in many cases, it looked like you had been playing with those guys it looked more like a Florida international <laughs> practice than it did an all-star practice because your timing was so right on. Uh, but what did scouts tell you at trying game or did they tell you anything? Hey, listen, we like this part of the game, but we really think you got to work on X, Y, Z. Was there an X, Y, Z fact that they told you or they suggested that you work on? It's a good question. I think at Shrine, it was more of um, kind of the, the talks I had with scouts was one preparatory for the combine. You know, that same format was used in, that was extremely valuable for me to, you know, be able to prepare for the combine. And, uh, and two, just kind of get to know you more so that, you know, when the later on interviews happen with the quarterback coaches, they didn't have to go through the, you know, name, family, background, all that stuff. It was more, okay, X's and O's, which I really like. Um, I'd say for me, one of the biggest things that, you know, I've shared with scouts and I think that I can always improve on is just my mobility. Um, I really like to sit back in the pocket, dice up the defense and, you know, make big throws and all that stuff. But being able to, quickly evade, you know, elite caliber next level defenders while staying on balance and making throws from different arm slots, I think is, you know, a huge part of the NFL game. So that's something that, um, you know, I'm really working on right now. You know, I did every day after practice last season. Uh, I think I can always improve on for sure. Now, what would you say the one thing that you took away most, the lasting indelible image from Shrine Week from what you were able to accomplish there? So uh, competition-wise, you know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Loved uh, competing out there, loved learning the NFL offense. Uh, it was, you know, a great week with that regard. But um, I will say I think probably the most, um, you know, thing that will stick with me the longest was uh, the, the extracurriculars, honestly. And, you know, you come there for a job interview. You come there to impress scouts. But being able to visit at the Shriners Hospital for Children and kind of seeing those kids and, um, you know, just how inspirational um, and how, how great their attitudes were. It was it was really cool for me. And um, I did not anticipate that at all. You know, I'd kind of I'd known about it, but actually, you know, being a part of it was something that was really, really cool. So I'd say that's probably the most lasting uh, image that I had from that game for sure. Yeah, and that's something we've uh, heard a couple times from uh, other people we've talked to about the Shrine Bowl. So it, it seems like, mm -hmm. you know, that's just something that really does leave that image on a lot of guys. And then you're included in that. So we'll move on to the combine here. What would you say your focus was in training leading up to the event in Indy? So uh, same thing, kind of controlling what I control. You know, this is another opportunity for me to showcase my stuff against some great competition. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to, to throw it like I knew how to throw it and, um, you know, 
check off the boxes for my um, drills and stuff like that, and you know the forty and all that stuff. So um, yeah, just control what I can control, and, and felt pretty confident coming out of it that I that I had done that. Now let me say the one knock on James Morgan, and you're probably not going to agree with it, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Is arm strength, especially compared to some of the other guys in the draft, or even Kevin Davidson of Princeton, who you we were playing against uh, in the Shrine game, who had a big time off. I will tell you this: when I watched the, uh, the combine practices, the position workout, I was incredibly impressed with your arm strength in the combine, specifically the way you were able to deliver the deep outs with speed and accuracy, because the, the deep outs are the money throw at the combine they put the cone out there 30 yards to your right they put the cone out there 30 yards to the left and you got to throw the ball to the cone and you did a great job yeah. of it in fact i thought you did the best job of it any any of the quarterbacks they talked about justin herbert appreciate your, that your throws were right on the money was that something you specifically worked on um i i mean i i've had gone through the combine routine you know a bunch of times like a bunch of times and uh, working with John Kaleo and Alex Magoo, who, um, you know, uh, down here in Tampa, who have helped me out a lot with it. And I kind of knew what to expect a lot of stuff. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it was one thing in particular, one throw in particular. It was just going out and, you know, being able to do what I could do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in my arm. I think that's that's a little bit of the breath arm of me where, you know, I'm not afraid to make any throw. And I really feel like I can make them. Um, and so for me, it was just, you know, just going out and do what I could do, control what I can control. And, uh, just going on ripping it, man. That's, that's what I love to do. So now I appreciate that feedback. And, you know, I'm going to continue working, obviously, and pro day something different. That's the next controllable, and that's the next thing that I'm going to be focusing on. Got to ask you, Alex Magoo, he's, that's the former, the former FIU quarterback, correct? Yep. That's correct, yes. So you're, you're working with him? Yes. So he's uh, down in Tampa. Um, you know, I, I signed his agent, uh, Chris Martin. Um, and so I was able to, you know, get into contact with him and, uh, work with him and you know he's he's fantastic you know he's really helping me and um, just kind of having that perspective being in the league for two years now it's uh, it's it's great to be able to you know rely upon him you know how do you think this is going to go down you know what, what would you say for this technique you know this drill um, so he's been he's been absolutely fantastic to work with. Now obviously you guys didn't really overlap at FIU, you came in 2018, he was gone after 2017, but did you have any contact with Magoo before this, or is this kind of your first exposure to him and, and kind of getting that relationship and building it? Yes, I did. So besides watching him right when I came in and seeing all these crazy hurdles, athletic plays that he'd been doing, um, I actually roomed with his brother, Shane. So, you know, every once in a while, Alex would come and um, got to know him a little bit through that. And then, you know, from here, I've been able to, to build upon that relationship and, you know, like I said, it's been extremely valuable for me. And, you know, even at FIU, he was able to, you know, kind of give some pointers and kind of say some things that steered me in the right direction. So uh, very thankful for that, for sure. We want you to give us a scouting report on yourself as you end your college career. You know, for starters, what do you feel are your biggest strengths or the best parts of your game? So on the field, I would say, you know, my biggest strengths, I know you mentioned our strength uh, was kind of a knock, but I, I really feel like that's one of the biggest strengths of my game. I think if you look at my tape, you can see some throws that I make that, um, you know, clearly demonstrate arm strength. I think that I, like I said, I feel very confident in making you know, whatever throw on the field. Um, I also hope that, you know, uh, anticipation and accuracy and windows and kind of seeing uh, plays develop, uh, stick out. Um, you know, I'd say that's the on-field stuff. I, what I really want to be known for, honestly, is just the preparation aspect and, you know, the work I put into it. And that's something that, you know, um, I'll be taking to whatever team takes a chance on me. That's something that I'm going to go all out for because I really love doing it, man. I really love the game and 
um, studying as hard as I can and being as prepared to go on Saturdays and now Sundays, and um, you know, really doing everything I can to help an organization is something that really fires me up. Now, due to some technical difficulties, the end of that interview did get cut off, unfortunately. So we did want to put it out here that we thank James Morgan very much for coming on the show. We appreciate his time and everything he was able to chat with us. Obviously, we got a lot of good information out of him. But again, some technical difficulties cut off the end of that interview. But we'd be remiss if we did not thank him for coming on the show. So again, James, thank you for popping on. And we really hope that our audience got everything out of this interview that we did. Now, as Tony said, James Morgan, very likely to go a bit earlier in the draft than a lot of people expect, already has more than half a dozen visits and workouts scheduled, more expected to come down the line. It's already worked out for both the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers, drawn some interest from both the Las Vegas Raiders and the New England Patriots, and also our hometown New York Jets are doing a ton of work on him as well. Tony, what else have you heard about the interest in Morgan around the league? Yeah, it's interesting uh, with the Jets, and I'm also told that uh, he's visiting or meeting with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, the Jets and the Eagles, I'm sure they're looking for a younger backup quarterback because they're already entrenched with their starters. As I mentioned with the Jets, they are going to look uh, for a veteran in free agency or, or sometime during free agency to come away with a veteran quarterback. But I could see them uh, bringing a guy like James in because, you know, you want a younger guy to back up just in case. Carson Wentz hasn't uh, been the most durable of quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold, except for that one stat last year, has been uh, pretty much uh, on his feet and been able to play. And then the Raiders and the Patriots, I mean, he is definitely a Patriots type of quarterback. Uh, he, was, he was an impressive guy during that interview. The way he answered the questions, the way he basically passed out uh, praise to his teammates, uh, the way he, he talked about his development, and even the things he had to work on. You know, I, I could see him absolutely fitting in you know, like a round peg, round hole with the New England Patriots. So uh, that makes great sense. That's it right there. And that's it for the 124th episode of the Draft Analysts presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Another special thanks goes out to Florida International's James Morgan for joining us on this week's episode, and we hope you all enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night.